coaches. There is a way to increase your impact without becoming a slave to your business. This is Purpose to Profit, where we talk to top industry experts, coaches, and clients about their strategies that will help you do less and make more. And now, here's your hosts. Hey guys, I'm Adam Marquardt. Sandra Garcia here, and today we have Daniel Fox joining us. Daniel is a speaker, a coach, and an author of the upcoming book called Sacred Masculine Rising. He's a modern advocate for social revolution through the pursuit of pleasure and purpose for all, and he's been a facilitator for powerful transformational work for over the past 12 years. He's created and held a safe space for thousands of people, both in and online. And with that, I want to introduce Daniel. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> so good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. It's it's nice to finally have our meeting of the of the shadow sheep live on your <laughs> podcast. Right, right. So actually, Adam and I met Daniel at an event in March in San Diego, and I knew right away. I mean, this man has such a powerful presence and a really awful sense of humor that we were going to come together and work at some point on something really cool. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to see how you guys have, have taken off with this and, and really come together in partnership. It's really beautiful. Absolutely. But again, thanks for joining us. So we did say a little bit about what you do, but what else can you tell us about yourself or your business? Like what's something that you're really excited about? So you could call me a coach or, or an author or a speaker. It's It's kind of like... It's a little cornball to run those things together, but it's probably the most accurate way to describe what I do. And specifically, my book coming out, um, Sacred Masculine Rising, is about integrating every part of you. And, and Sandra, I know that you'll, you're on board with this. It's about integrating your masculine energy with your internal feminine energy, regardless if it's a man or a woman, and integrating your light side with your dark side. So that is what, to me, an integrated human being looks like, is somebody that has is in touch with all of those parts of themselves. So a lot of the work that I do with entrepreneurs or leaders or just anybody, man or woman, is to find where they're not able to step into their power and to look, is there a way that they're out of touch with one of those parts of themselves? And then we use all kinds of coaching and transformation techniques um, to get them back into their power in the sense of those four areas. That's awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have a question for you. For yeah. someone that doesn't understand the term light and dark, like what does that mean? Turn the light on, turn the light off. Like how would you describe that? Can you kind of unravel that a bit for us? Yeah. So, so sometimes I use the word light and dark and sometimes I use the, the words uh, light and dense. And so, you know, we joked about being shadow sheep and shadow is, is anything that is like a part of our character or a part of our desires that we're afraid to look at. So this could be like, you're hesitant to ask for what you want in a relationship or at work. You're hesitant to go to your boss and ask for a raise or you're hesitant to ask for a sale. The reason that you're hesitant is that there's something that you're afraid to look at in yourself. And, and that you could call whatever is that, that part of you that's afraid, uh, that you're afraid to look at, that's your shadow. So that's something that you, you may not think that you're good enough. You may, not, you may be embarrassed because you messed something up at work two weeks ago and you're afraid you know, that if you ask for a raise, you're gonna get all kinds of judged about it or they're going to bring up your failure a couple weeks ago. But there's something that you're afraid to look at and that's either because you've had an experience in your past 
or we actually just inherit a lot of cultural shadow. So shadow isn't good or bad. There's no right or wrong associated with it. But in our bigger culture, it's safe to say we generally like kind of the general uber culture, the general mainstream culture would see things in your shadow as shameful, bad or wrong. But it's actually in those areas that if we can get in touch with them, bring them out of the darkness, kind of look at them, examine them without judgment, that you actually have the most power in your life. It's actually where the most transformation and the most possibility to transform your life is, is it's in those shadow areas that you're afraid to look at. So I always think about it like the blind spots, right? So you're literally shedding light on those dark aspects of yourself and, and that's where your power truly lies. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to think of it in terms of a, of a gap, right? If you want to be the world's best accountant, let's say, just as an example, you're not going to imagine that you're 98% of the way there when you just start. Like you probably want to imagine that you're near the bottom of your abilities as an accountant. Because if you imagine that you're at the bottom, you have the potential to imagine you have the most opportunity to grow. So then over two years of studying accounting, I can make up uh, 70% of the ground on improving my accounting abilities. I can make up this huge amount of ground because I've imagined myself near the bottom. Whereas if I imagine myself as near the top, the gap is very small. And so I could spend two years closing that gap by 1% and, and potentially not growing very much. So in the same way, a shadow provides you with the largest gap between what's actually going on in your heart and in your life and the possibility that you want to create. So focusing on how good you are isn't going to get you very far. Focusing on the darker stuff and the stuff that you're afraid to look at, that is actually the fodder that's the fuel for uh, true transformation. Whoa, I need to digest that for a second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize for that. It makes me think about a quote. I'm not sure who said it, but it basically says that the cave that you fear holds the treasure that you seek. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a very poetic way to put it. Mm -hmm. That's what comes to mind. Adam, does this remind you of anything? Any conversations that we've had on a live at any point? <laughs> Never, none. <laughs> Daniel, now started... dig a little deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, I started thinking about that, kind of what you just said. And when somebody has, I guess, that, you know, Sandra referred to it as like a blind spot. But when you're trying to uncover that, is there something that people can do to help uncover that, to expedite uncovering that, to really shed light on that? Like what is, like, if you feel that, you know, you're focusing on that aspect, like how can you uncover that easier or faster, I guess? Look at you with the great ass question. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, this is what uh, takes us out of the realm of theory and into the realm of like, okay, Daniel, are you talking out your ass or is this actually useful? <laughs> how do you find it? <laughs> yeah. How do you find it? Okay. So, so here's, here's how I do it. All right. Step one, it, this is a mindset shift for people. Step one is just to realize, and, and this is a hard one to swallow, so feel free to push me on this. You want to imagine that every dark thing that's ever happened in the entire world, every evil, every, every maleficent thing that's ever happened in the history of the human race lives inside your heart. <laughs> I'm with you. So genocide, rape, murder, all of these things only occur in the way that they, uh, they occur in you, okay? So they are a part of your consciousness and they're a part of your unconsciousness. They're a part of our collective shadow, you could say. Mm -hmm. 
So once you just kind of can mentally assent to that, then kind of starting to starting to consider that you have what is in you that this is the same thing that Hitler had within him, like that you share this humanity. Once you can kind of get your head around that, admitting that you lied to your coworker about stealing their pen is a little less, <laughs> it's a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> So let's just start there because that was still a little abstract, but I want to I want to get some feedback on how that landed. Did that make sense, or was that still a little too theoretical? So, are you saying is your belief then that all of the things, all of the the evil that has happened, or, or you know has the potential to happen, when you say that lives with inside of us, is that that we have the potential to do that, or are you saying that we are somehow impacted by those you know past events and they somehow um, currently affect us even if we weren't maybe even around during that time we're certainly affected by the evil of the past but i think what i'm more saying is that the same humanity that brought about evil events in history is the same humanity that we share in our day-to-day life and it lurks in many ways just under the surface in a lot of ways we're not at you know at least in western culture right now many of us are not in the same social revolution situation that would call forth a rebellion we're not in the level of starvation and threat that would call forth um, murdering someone and stealing their food but it's those same impulses if we were given a different set of circumstances that could very easily arise because we share that same common humanity. What comes to my mind is when you deny something, when you resist it, you're, you're feeding it power. So what I'm hearing from you or the way that I'm kind of digesting this is that when you not admit, but you acknowledge that that same darkness exists in every single one of us as just humanity, like you said, that shared global consciousness, that it disempowers it and it almost empowers you because you're not resisting it or you're not trying to pretend like it's not there. Yes, that's exactly it. This reminds me of another quote. Look at me. I'm just on a roll here. (laughs) (laughs) Mother Teresa, she said that the only way, and this is not verbatim, the only way she was able to get to where she got to was basically acknowledging the Hitler that lived inside of her, which was really interesting. I have to go back and see what that quote was exactly, but she was basically saying that until she acknowledged that there was a darkness inside of her, she was really able to access all of her light. It's profoundly brilliant. There's a Bible quote. Wait, am I here? <laughs> I'm going to throw a Bible quote at you now. Do it. Unless a, uh, I don't know what the, the translation is, but unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it still only remains a grain of wheat. There's a death and resurrection when you descend into your own shadow that validates your light. And so if there, there are people that have not done their work in the shadow who are living with a head in the cloud spirituality that comes across as ungrounded in the depths of, of their own humanity. And it's not until it's not until their life is challenged and they go through a death or a dark night of the soul, so to speak, that that lightness is actually validated. So it, it, in, to the Mother Teresa comment, her, she was unable to fully express her light until she realized and got in touch with and accepted without judgment that she had that same dark humanity that lived in Hitler as well. Yes, well said. So then what's next? We've, we've acknowledged that... <laughs> that exists in us. What's step two? Step two is acknowledging it to yourself. So I'll tell you a little story about me 
I had a business for many years, about 11 years, and I sold it about a year and a half ago. Went through a, a couple different rounds of layoffs as the market conditions changed. And as a result, had kind of a whole population of people that used to work for me that weren't very happy with being laid off. In fact, it caused a lot of uh, it caused a lot of turmoil for people, and, and it wasn't a great time. I got a, uh, there was a post on Craigslist that had my address tagged in it. And it was titled to Daniel, the narcissist. <laughs> and I, wow. And I read it. And initially like that word stung, that word narcissist stung because, uh, you know, I was, re- it was in my shadow. Like, was I really a narcissist? Like, Oh my God, what, what's going to happen if I'm a narcissist? And then I, I just sat back with it one day. I mean, it took me, it took me like a year to sit with this. And then I was like, okay, so, so what if I am like, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I just owned it in my own awareness and in my own consciousness. Like, okay, so what if I am a narcissist? Like what's, you know, now, you know, if clinically I am, if clinically I have narcissistic personality disorder, which I don't, I can now work toward healing that potentially. Or if somebody just wants to call me a bad name, well, what's so wrong with being a bad name? And why, you know, it, so it was in owning that and saying like, all right, if I've got genocide in my humanity, I certainly have narcissism in my humanity. So the fuck what? Let's move on. And so it was like owning that in the privacy of my own experience that took away its power completely. So that's step two. That's awesome. And I, I love that because, you know, one of the things that I often talk to people about is like you, when somebody says something about you, like you have to accept it, but you don't have to allow it. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused or you know, thrown off is because like, you have to accept it. Like if, if I call you a narcissist right now, you have to accept that because I've said it, it's done, but you don't have to allow it in the sense of allowing it to have any power or control over you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't have to, I mean, I can accept it as your experience, but your experience of me just doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything ultimately. Like, exactly. It doesn't mean much. Exactly. <laughs> so that's step two is finding a safe place in yourself where you can actually say, okay, there's a word that I'm afraid that I'm afraid resonates with a part of me that I'm uncomfortable with. So let's stop resisting the word. Let's stop resisting the discomfort and stop giving it all of this power and all of this resistance, which is just keeping it alive. And we just say, okay, maybe I am. And then just sit with that for a while and see how it feels. So that's step two. Step three is finding somebody you trust and just telling them. (laughs) And what does that do? Once you can tell one person you can tell Adam and Sandra on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So it really is like, you don't have to do it, but if you can find one safe person and you kind of prep them because different people have different abilities to hear this kind of stuff. So I wouldn't necessarily go to any Tom, Dick and Harry and say, Hey, I'm a narcissist. I might prep (laughs) them a little bit and say, Hey, I want to share something with you that I know isn't, I know it's not popular. I know it's not right. I'm not speaking from my highest self, but I just wanted to, to share with you that I'm a, I have, you know, maybe narcissistic tendencies or people that people see me as, as somebody who's very self-involved. And uh, I just don't want to resist that anymore. I'm just saying that that's in my awareness about myself. And I'm asking you to just, just hold that, just listen to that. And then if, you know, they're a mature person, they'll be like, okay, great, cool. <laughs> you know, they don't correct you. They don't fix you. Ideally, you know, they're not trying to change you or, or say, no, you're not. A lot of people will say that. No, you're not. You're not a narcissist. You're a great guy. No, listen, I'm trying to do something here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to share something empowering to me. So when people realize that in sharing it, you're actually trying to empower yourself, they can just give you the space and listen and, and say, great, I hear you. I hear that's a part of your experience. Did that land? Did that make sense? 
Yeah. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's not about getting, it's not about sharing it with somebody so that you can like work through it. It's about the actual acknowledgement of it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's just saying like, uh, you know, this may be true. Okay, great. That's, I mean, this is like, there's no more resistance to it. And I, and I have kind of a, um, you have an ally, yeah. so to speak. And then there's another step, which is an optional step that I've chosen in on generally speaking with my life, and that's to go public with your shadow. And so this is a place where I've really dedicated a lot of my life and work is, is toward vulnerability. And I think this is really the work of, of being human. This is the work of showing up as deeply human in our process, getting things right, getting things wrong, and showing people the gem that's covered in the soot. <laughs> and in doing that, like it, not everybody w- will do that, but that's a choice that I've made as, as somebody who's leading in vulnerability to share my shadow as it comes up and kind of be on display so that people can find a frame of reference for their own life and fr- find a frame of reference for honesty in their own emotional processing. Because so many people are covering up and papering over what's really going on that we don't really get a sense of what it's like to be a human in the world. That makes me really curious. Daniel, how does that show up and impact the coaching relationships that you have with your clients? Like, what does vulnerability look like for you in that space? It gives them permission, which is so powerful. Like you said, permission to be who they are without that fear of, of judgment. But what does it look like in on that like one-on-one? In a coaching space. I mean, it looks like admitting that you don't know what to do next. I mean, mm-hmm. frankly, so I was coaching a guy who's becoming a coach and he's like, hey, I don't know what to do when I encounter this problem in a, in a call. And so I could say, like, all right, well, I've heard that you do this, but I really don't know. Like, I, I'm at the same place and I'm like, you know, a couple months ahead of you in this process, but I, I really don't know. Let's work through it together. And so you are actually vulnerable in that moment from being seen as somebody that has no idea what they're talking about and is not worth the money they're paying. Mm. And yet you're showing up in a way that's reflecting a deeper truth of your own humanity. And hopefully they see that and they see your honesty and are inspired to their own journey of honesty with themselves and with other people when you're able to kind of just admit that you don't have the answer, you know. And if you do that too much, they'll probably fire you, but (laughs) probably not a good fit. I think that's important though, is to, is to, you know, be honest and transparent with all of your clients because, you know, we are human and, you know, as we are always stretching and growing ourselves, you know, I think that there is a certain level of, I don't know, and that's okay. And I think that my question to you, uh, like going back a step about the vulnerability is I feel like as men in this world, it's not common or, you know, it's against the status quo to, to be vulnerable and to talk about that and to, you know, let your guard down and let people know like, Hey, I failed or Hey, this is what happened or, or like whatever the situation is. And I think that that's something, you know, not, not all guys, but I think I'd say like 75% of guys that they actually struggle with opening up and being vulnerable because they associate vulnerability with weakness. Ah, yes. My friend, what a beautiful question and transition into a profound truth. So Carl Jung and then later Pat Allen popularized this. Pat Allen's a relationship coach on the West Coast. Old as hell and like really dogmatic, um, but really, really funny. She's got some great ideas. Anyway, she stole the shit from Carl Jung. Men have strong bodies. And this is, by the way, you know, we're obviously like generalizing and we're not kind of using the language of up-to-date gender dynamics. But uh, people who present as male, by and large, have stronger bodies than women. And women have stronger souls than men, 
or an emotional body. And you wouldn't know it in the pop culture narrative because it's obvious that men have strong bodies and women have smaller bodies. But it's not obvious that a man's vulnerability is actually in his emotional body because we cover it up, we shut it down, we wall it off, we deflect, we distract ourselves, and we don't do the work to develop our emotional bodies as men. But that's where our vulnerability lies. Our strength lies in our bodies and our physicality. A woman's strength, again, by and large as a generalization, lies in her emotional body and her emotional development and her soul, so to speak. So it really points to a fact that men are shut down because we, we actually, that is the place where we're weak. You know, to show vulnerability is to show our emotional body, is to be emotional because we're actually very underdeveloped when it comes to our emotional bodies. Yeah, I agree 100%. What it makes me think about is because there hasn't been that permission for Mills to show up emotionally, and now we're living in a different age and space, but society has conditioned it to be where a man can walk into a battlefield, but he's wearing all this armor and he's accumulated this armor throughout his life and every interaction that he's had with other males has reinforced it in maybe their relationship with their father. But you can walk onto a battlefield with all that armor and feel like you're safe, right? And the moment that you take it off and you're essentially naked, you become vulnerable. And that to me is getting in touch with the emotional body as opposed to the physical body. And yep. it points to what you said earlier about how when you integrate those two sides, the feminine and the masculine energy, that's when you really get access to your full potential. Yes. So the main access that a man has when he integrates his feminine energy is, is access to to being vulnerable and to exposing his emotional body, to exposing his soul to the world. And now, interestingly, I want to I bring this up because I, just generally speaking as a, as a world, what do we find attractive about women? Adam, I'm going to throw this to you. <laughs> generally, I would say physical things. Physical things. Exactly right. That's exactly the answer I was fishing for. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And Sandra, this is going to be a little hard, but I'm going to throw it to you. When you experience a man who's attractive in the world, what is it that you find attractive? What's the most attractive trait? And I'll, I'll prep you by saying, don't say physical. Uh, yes, that wouldn't have been my first thing. I think just a confidence and a sense of humor, emotional capacity, because I'm a handful. Emotional intelligence is super attractive to me. Emotional intelligence is super attractive to you. So yeah. Adam is attracted to the bodies of women. And, you and he has a that. beautiful, beautiful wife, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but I, we're just we're using the we're using the gender split to illustrate this point. So, Adam, you speaking for all men, and you're qualified absolutely to speak for all men throughout all ages. That you're attracted to the physical body of a woman. Yes, yes. And Sandra, you're speaking for all women throughout all ages of all history, and you are attracted to the emotional intelligence of a man. Yes. So don't you find it interesting that you're attracted to the vulnerability in your polarity? Yes. That, that you actually have something that they don't have. That you're, you actually uh, are bringing to the table in, in your polarity something that they're missing. And when you spot that vulnerability, you actually you feel it call to you as you are needed and you are wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's that needing and wanting that's a part of the sexual polarity that's created. Mm -hmm. 
Did that land? Did that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I just think that that is extremely powerful. And that's what makes, you know, I think we've kind of skewed the definition of like a power couple, but it's uniting those two parts that makes a really powerful union. And I think about like, that is strength to me when I reflect on like, what attracted me to like my partner now and like what are the qualities that I absolutely love about him and like him being able to he has such a a large emotional capacity and I can bring and everyone knows I'll bring these really really dense topics to the table and he holds space and and that's attractive to me because that's strength not everybody can deal with that a lot of people would would run when you bring things that are conflicting to their ideas there a lot of people's first reaction is to avoid the topic avoid the situation avoid that space but being able to stand your ground and to have an open mind and to discuss topics or to be there with that person is, is something that that's strength. Like that is the definition of strength to me. So it goes back to like, how do we define strength as a society? And then like, how do we define it personally? Right? Yeah, that's beautiful. And the thing is, you actually don't have to have this in partnership. So a lot of the work that I do with people is developing their internal masculine and feminine. So they develop, you know, if someone's trying to develop their their masculine, they might develop their physical bodies or their ability to kind of be headstrong, decisive, and to go penetrate the world with their ideas, their systems, their product, their service. And if they're working on developing their feminine, they might be working on like kind of relaxing into their emotional body, receiving, accepting themselves bringing love and a dance of creativity to any situation. So you don't actually need a partner to be a whole and complete person. You can integrate both of these polarities in and of yourself and still be a powerful person in the world and also still have another partner in the world who, who is integrated as well. So, and that's really, that gets that's where it gets really cool. Yeah. And it just amplifies your power instead of completing you. Exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Daniel, yes. on purpose to profit, one of my favorite questions to ask is when did your purpose meet your profit? I know you said that you were doing, you know, you had a business before this, but now it sounds like you stepped up and stepped into more of being intentional and, and working in your purpose. When did that kind of happen and what made you, I guess, transition into that? And how did you know when it was right? Yeah, so that's exactly right. Um, you know, in my world, I see I see things in terms of this polarity, this masculine and feminine polarity. And my previous business was very purpose driven and masculine driven. And I had a little bit of money left from the the sale of my business from a, an insurance claim that came through. And I was on a trip, and I felt this call to give the money away. And I didn't know where my next money was coming from. I didn't know what was going to happen. And and it was in trusting and giving that money away that I surrendered to the universe. And I and it went from a very masculine driven entrepreneurial way of being in the world to now pushing me into experimenting with a very feminine way of being, which is surrender and trust and giving and just showing up in a dance of purpose and a dance of experimentation in the world. So that's when it kicked off. And it hasn't been too long ago. This is this was probably about four months ago, Adam, that I just surrendered into not knowing what to do. And then clients started showing up intuitively. They would message me on Facebook and say, 
hey, I don't know what happened. I had, uh, I just feel an intuitive draw to work with you, or I had a dream about you, or this thing you said really resonates with me and I'm ready to work with you. I had, I didn't do a single sales call. I still like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> but people kept coming to me and they're like, I'm connected to what you're doing. And, and it wasn't me, you know, it, there was some surrender that was creating a magic outside of what I had known. You know, I wasn't penetrating the world with my message. I wasn't buying Facebook ads. I wasn't putting people through a funnel. I could do all that. I know how to do all that. Um, but everything that was happening was uh, the result of surrender and an intuitive process of energy and magic that I have no idea <laughs> the mechanics of. <laughs> but you're obviously super passionate about this and you're doing something right. And I know that the surrender just came about a few months ago, but you've had over 10 years of experience in this space. So if you had to go back and do it all over again, what would you do different? Oh, this is the, this is the, what are your regrets questions? I'm not a no regrets person. I think there's plenty of room for regret. I just don't want to focus on it, but yeah, there's plenty of, I mean, like every day I regret something. (laughs) I really should not have done that. So if I had gone back, man, I think I would have, I would have exited my business sooner. I would, I wish I would have found a creative way to get out of things quicker, but even that's an interesting thing because there's something, again, back to the, this lens of masculine and feminine, there's a masculine initi- initiation and the, and the masculine initiation is to just be a supreme failure. That is the hallmark of the hero's journey is to just go down in flames. It's the path of the phoenix before you can rise again. You just careen into a wall at 100 miles an hour. And if I could have avoided that, I would have, but I didn't. And so here I am post-masculine initiation on my purpose, having surrendered and created a, a new business that is that is like deeply aligned with who I am. Could I get out of it sooner? I would have loved to. I would have loved to do that. But I just don't think that's how, I don't think that's how it works. Love that. You know, I, I would love to see, it's great to skip the pain. You like, I, I would love to skip the pain and have all the, the upside, but... Well, that's that pressure. That's the pressure that makes the diamonds. So this process was necessary, and and this is where you're at. It's and you're talking about the last four months. All of a sudden, you surrendered, and everything is just falling in alignment with what you're called to do. But to me, that's the the workup. It's the process that has led you to this point, and then all of a sudden, like the seal broke, and that's why you're here. But it's the buildup that gets us to these points. So. I actually love that you were talking about that because one of our mottos is do less and make more. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're like, I'm not prospecting. I'm not taking, you know, strategy calls. Like everything is just kind of coming to me. So I'm curious if Mm -hmm. for the listeners that are hearing this, who are also coaches, what are some tips to do less and make more and whether more means more money, more time in your day, more of an impact. It's really up to you. So how could they do less and make more? How could they do less and make more? Well, I need to round out what I said last time because it's going to sound like I am advocating for just giving all your money away and receiving and not marketing. And what I want to illustrate was that that was a swing into the other polarity for me so that I could understand and learn 
that there is another force in the world besides drive and push and marketing. There's a force of surrender and there's a force of magic and intuition and there's another force. But that force alone, again, is what is as one-sided as just marketing and is just pushing forward. So really, again, we're looking at the integration of both of these things to have a healthy approach to business and projects and being and creating in the world. You want to push and penetrate and add energy into the world to give your ideas into the world, but then you also need to have that receptive. It's the yin and the yang. It's the dark and the light of it. You need to be able to receive and to pull in and to use magic and use action. There are two halves of effectively creating in the world. So I don't want it to sound like I just went over to the other half and just laid back and I'm receiving all the time. A good (laughs) way of being is to be integrated in both of them. You have to put out and receive. Yeah, but that's the way that you... Absolutely. Yeah. And that's just the way that you recalibrated by getting in touch with the opposite. Yes. Recalibrated and just frankly learned it for the first time. Um, Mm. (laughs) It's just really trial by fire. So how can you do less and make more? I found that there are things that I don't want to say. And I, when I say them, I magnetize people. I magnetize my people to me. There are things that I'm afraid to be seen as known for, to share. And when I am unafraid to say those things, I pull the right people into my field. And that is how I can do less because those people are drawn to me. So it's, a, it's the path of a magician is somebody who waits and waits and does the prep work and, and does their internal work. And at just the right time, they just flip a little switch and something. And, and again, like the seal breaks and then you watch everything kind of come into, into fruition manifestation. So in this case, how do you do less and make more? Is that you say the thing that you've been afraid to say, that you share the thing that you've been afraid to share, that you be the thing that you've been afraid to be. And in doing that, you are risking losing people who are not aligned with you. And it's in that bravery and in that risk that people know you're fucking serious. They know that you're somebody not to be trifled with. It's incredibly vulnerable to speak your truth. And it's also incredibly powerful. Wow. Speak your truth. Your vibe attracts your tribe. Shine yeah, the light. All- <laughs> and those, those, yeah, they'll find you, but it's, it's true. It's there are several so cliches to, to wrap up what I just said. I could have said it a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I, I love, I love how you unpacked that because it's, it's important for us to realize that the things that we fear may be the key to unlock the things that we desire. So thank you for sharing that. I cannot wait to go back and listen to this recording because I feel like I could listen to it every week and gather something different. (laughs) (laughs) I got one more question for you. Okay. As males who are typically, and again, generalizing every, you know, males who are, you know, in this space and thinking about it, who are focused on um, leading and taking action and driving, moving forward with, you know, sometimes brute force how or what would you suggest to someone who doesn't know what it means to surrender and how could they do that? How could somebody who's up in the hustle learn to balance? Yes. That's a good one. I mean, the way that I approached it is I just, I threw everything into surrender. So I did not incrementally do this process. And I don't know. Remember we talked about that? <laughs> yeah, my path was to just fuck all, just throw it all away and and uh, throw myself off the cliff. So 
But I do know, you know, every time I see the word hustle, every time I see a, a meme about hustle, every time I see somebody who's like lockstep with Gary Vee, I'm like, you guys are getting half the picture. It's good, but it's not the whole deal. Like you have to rest, you know, just like a breath. You breathe in, you breathe out, you know. There's seasons of life and dying. Like everything that is not source happens in a polarity. It happens in a positive and a, and a minus. And so if you're constantly pushing, pushing, pushing into the world, you're going to burn yourself out. You're not going to be able to come from love. You're not going to be able to serve and do your greatest good. There's a breathing in and a breathing out. So, you know, I guess any kind of self-care, you know, I, I write in my book about ripping off self-care techniques from women. Women have this down, like women have self-care down. They've explored that territory. So just steal some stuff that resonates with you. Steal some <laughs> self-care stuff from the ladies. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Daniel, I genuinely appreciate you um, coming on and sharing everything that you have. I know that it's been incredibly valuable for me. If people are interested in hearing more about you, learning more about what you're doing, what you got going on, you know, your upcoming book, where can they find you? Well, we've got sacredmasculinerising.com. I'm on Facebook. I use my personal Facebook page as uh, as a way to connect with people. So it's facebook.com slash Daniel C. Fox, I believe, awesome. or Daniel Christopher Fox. Should I, I should look it up. I should get that right. Daniel uh, C. Fox. Daniel C. Fox. Yes. Um, yeah. So I do, I do a lot of messaging on Facebook. So find me there. And then I got the website with uh, Sacred Masculine Rising, which is also the name of the book. So yeah, that's where to find me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I, I'm so grateful that everybody was able to, you know, tune in and kind of hear about what you have, what you've got going on and then also share some of your wisdom and your journey. I think that it's important to share. So I can't wait to catch up with you and, uh, you know, do this in the future because we will have to do an update with you because I think that this just barely began to scratch the surface. <laughs> barely. Well, yeah. I, I'm honored. I'm honored to have been on with you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. I can't Thanks, wait Daniel. to read your book. We'll yeah. see you soon. All right. Talk Bye, guys. Talk to you Bye. later. Bye. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I know that you could be anywhere doing anything, but I'm incredibly grateful that you decided to spend your time with us. We hope that there were some valuable pieces that you took away from this. If you want to catch more of our episodes, then go right now and subscribe. And remember, wherever you are on your journey, keep going and never quit.